Welcome to the Rock Community Church. Pastor John Warehouse is teaching from the book of Acts. Enjoy today's sermon. I got a, uh, first things first, I've got an announcement that I have to make. So anyone that knows me knows is this, this could go anywhere. Who knows what might happen? But, uh, what I want to show you first, turn with me to, uh, the book of Acts, the second chapter. I want to show you why among so many reasons why I love the Lord so much and why I, I, I believe what we're doing is so, is so correct in, in, in so many levels. In, in this place, uh, um, as you're going to see, I was studying this week and, and, and got into per, Peter's message in Acts chapter 2, starting with the verse 14 and then moving on. And I, I got to verse 21. And listen how, if you look in your Bible, look at how he... He concludes this part of his message. I want you to note some things. Remember when we talked last week how important is the Word of God and how that was, that was the orders that they were given to, to preach from, not, not their own ideas. God gave them specific orders to present. And those, those orders were passed along to every generation thereafter till it falls in our lap. And as we mentioned last week in verse 14, at the end of the verse, Peter says, Give heed to my words. But you'll note, he is not presenting his words. What he does now is he is going to quote the prophet Joel. You see, he goes right into his message talking scripture to make clear what he wants to say to the people. That's why, that's why you must preach through the word of God. He gets to the place in verse 21 as we're going to end today. I'm, I'm telling you the ending at the beginning. And it shall be that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. Now I got to that far, and and I just you know just figured that was all I could preach through this this particular week, and so I looked to see what are we going to do for Easter, and watch. I mean, watch. This is where some pastors are now wondering what are they going to do for Easter? How am I going? What am I going to think? Look, look what God says we should talk about. He says, Peter says, verse twenty-two, men of Israel, listen to these words again. These words, Jesus the Nazarene. A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourself know. This man, not talking about Jesus, the Messiah, delivered up by the predetermined plan and the foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and you put him to death. And what did God do with him? Easter Sunday. He raised him up again. We don't have to search and, and hunt and peck about what might we preach on Easter Sunday. It is this church, you and I, we believe that every, every day is Easter. We, have, we believe in a risen Savior. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We believe that. But you see, what next week is so important to me, and I believe to you, is next week we're going to have people that will come to church that don't normally come very often during the year. They usually will come maybe on Easter and in Christmas, and they do that normally just to keep peace in the family, you know, so that we can have a meal together without, well, you don't ever go to church, or whatever that. And so what we're going to do next week is I'm praying already that God will bring us those people and that we will, like Peter, be able to touch their hearts. Watch what Peter says at the end of his message in verse, um, in verse 36. He says, Therefore... See, in chapter 2, we're not going to do this. We'll do this next week. Therefore, he says, let all the house of Israel know for certain. Know this for certain. God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you've crucified. 
When they heard this, it says in verse 37, they were pierced to their hearts. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? You see, it's my, it's my prayer for next week that those people that don't normally come to church and don't know the Lord, that we will give them an opportunity to hear the gospel and be able to hopefully respond, maybe being pierced to their hearts, responding, well, what, then we, what, what, what do we have to do? And we'll be able to tell them next week. You need to come to know Jesus Christ. And so, if you could, pray with us. Pray that the next, next week will be a, a blessing. I, I will never, in a, with all my life, I would never neglect you folks. We will preach through the Bible. But, but, but honestly, next week, in my heart, you really don't need a mover unless you feel uncomfortable. Um, anyways, next week in my heart will be to those people that don't come to church that often and that maybe the Lord will touch their heart. You see, maybe because we're doing what we're doing, more than likely God has someone next week that normally wouldn't come to church that needs to hear this message, needs to hear about a risen Savior and needs to hear it purely from the Word of God. And so it is my deepest prayer that you and I will agree that we will pray for those people that that we bring. With that in mind, the announcement is we have um, the construction of our new building is going along just fine. What I'm going to say to you, I know this will be last minute. I know it's going to be an inconvenience. We might be in our new building next week. And we might not. (laughs) We don't know what the city might allow us to do and and how it will all go. You just need to know that those who are doing the work are doing it so amazingly well. And so, in fact, we... I just heard news, and and I'm not going to say who because I don't want to um, steal their joy, and I have not asked permission. But we had, as I understand it, uh, a whole parking area was uh, re-paved and marked. And, uh, folks, that was a major, major task. That would be in and of itself a lot of money and a lot of time. And you need to know that that was donated and the person that did it of our church, yeah, thank you. I love you. You are really, really I just love you, folks. And it was a, it was a, it was a big undertaking. You know, their own equipment, their own time, um, all the stuff that needs to be done to do it. So, God is just moving in our midst so amazingly, beautifully, and. Uh, so here's here's the situation. When you when you go out into the foyer, the courtyard, or wherever this is called out here, um, we will have uh, Easter seating passes, and we're doing that so that you may, if it's crowded like this, and there's a probably good chance there will be. There's, I think we're doing a 6:30 in the morning service, and if weather permitting, we'll do it outside, and then we'll have uh, three, four other services after that. And if, if it'll be filled, we want you to have passes so that you can sit with your family. So that you don't have to come in and maybe sit up here. Who wants to do that and look at my behind all day? <laughs> That's not a pretty sight. We don't want to do that. So if you'll go out and, and get your passes, but here's the deal. On the passes, there's going to be a, a church number, phone number, and there's a church website. What we're going to ask you to do 
is on Good Friday, on Friday, either call the church on that number or look on the website to see where we're going to be Saturday and Sunday. You know, it's like, it's like last week. Um, last week we met at First Baptist on Saturday night at First Baptist in your Belinda. Didn't tell them we were going to be here this Saturday. It's like we're playing hide and seek. <laughs> It's like, it's like, can you find us? Now, this is where we are, you know. I, and I like, my heart is for, for the people. I, I just so do not want to disappoint you. I so, I'm okay with all of this, but my heart is that, that, that you'll have a, a place to come to that's steady. And, 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 and I was thinking Saturday when I, when I realized we didn't tell anybody, is nobody going to come? I'm expecting one Saturday to show up, nobody be here, and they say, we're hiding, now you find us. <laughs> You want to play hide and seek? We're at some other church. Come find us. But no, they've been, everyone's faithful to come and it's been just amazing. Absolutely, utterly amazing. So what we're going to ask you to do, if you wouldn't mind, is to call Friday, that number, or to look in the website to see where we're going to be Saturday and Sunday. Um, I know, as I've said already, I know this is last minute. I recognize it's inconvenient. But um, just pray with us. And see what the, the Lord will do and see how we can do. Now, if we're not in the building, the, our Lord's gift to us, that building. If we're not in there next Saturday and Sunday, then we'll meet here. Here's the rub. We're going to ask you every Friday to make a call at that number. <laughs> and, 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 and look on the website to see where we are. Because it might be at a moment's notice that we can move into that building. Here's why it's critical for us to get in that building. We save a lot of money by not renting this place. Love these people. Love this place. Don't know what we'd do without them. They're kind and gracious. But um, I would rather be frugal with the, our money and, um, and keep it for, uh, you know, for, to build our church and, to, and then to start our missions uh, program to where we can send people into the world. So that's what we're going to do, and that's why we're going to ask you this. So... Uh, I'll probably remind you again, if I don't on Easter Sunday, it'll be because it's maybe hectic. Who knows? But put in your mind, if we're not there next week, Friday, I mean next week, Saturday and Sunday, then call the following Friday or look on the website the following Friday to see where we're at. Correct, Wes? Everything? Good. Good. Let's take a look at Peter's sermon. And what I want you to notice, as I've already mentioned to you, because it's so important, is that Peter understood he was not now given permission to say anything he wanted about the Lord. No, what Peter was going to do is what every good preacher ought to do. He's going to verify what he's trying to say by using the prophet. In this case, he uses the Old Testament prophet Joel to confirm what has just taken place. Peter's sermon has basically one theme. And you'll see it, as we've already read in, in verse 36. We'll, we'll look at it next week, not this week, but I want you to see it. His theme is pure and simple in chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let everyone know. Let all the house of Israel know for what? Know for certain. He says, I want you to know this without any question or doubt, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Jesus Christ, this Jesus whom you have crucified. He is both Lord and Christ. But before he launches off into this message, he wants to make one thing clear. 
He wants to distill the criticism of the apostles and the disciples as being drunk. The people reasoned, these guys must be drunk. And he reasoned with them, well, let's read and see. Look with me, chapter 2, starting with verse 14 to verse 21. Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, he said, verse 14, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days, in those last days, I will pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, signs on the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be, he says, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What Peter is saying is now we are in these last days. He makes it clear that everyone now, everyone, not just Jew, but Jew and Gentile alike, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He makes it clear that they are now in what is called the last days, and we are still in what is called the last days. What Peter was making clear then was for them to know that all of a sudden the new, the new time has come. There is now what is we know now called the church age. And this age will last until the Lord comes back again. We will forever be in this age, the last days, until the Lord comes back. Now what we do know is that we do not know when He'll come back. Like those in the Old Testament that didn't understand all the things that were written, so us today, we don't know when our Lord is coming back. In fact, Jesus Christ Himself says, the angels don't know. I don't know. Only my Father knows of that day and that time. And so we are in these last days. And what Peter was presenting to those there at the day of Pentecost is that now there is a new shift in our relationship with God. We are now in the last days and the Spirit of God is being poured out upon all of us who believe. Now let's pray. Let's ask God to teach us a very important and vital lesson from this place of Scripture. Dear Father, I thank you from the bottom of my heart as I note that Peter, when he gave the very first sermon that was ever preached by a, a, I would like to say a lay person, someone other than yourself, Peter did not give his own words. He quoted Scripture. And Father, so it was to be for everybody that ever wanted to proclaim the name of Christ and everyone who ever wanted to preach a sermon, Father. We're not to give the people, our thoughts. But we're to rely upon what you have said, what you have promised. 
that we should do. And Father, you say in these last days, men and women, sons and daughters shall prophesy. In the Old Testament, Father, there were those that that were prophetic announcements, those things that were to come. But in this day, these last days, there is no more prophecy of what is to come. Everything has been written out for us. What we prophesy is what Peter prophesies. That is, as he mentioned, the mighty deeds of God. And so, Father, may we be faithful to do that. As I pray every week, dear Father, I pray that you would open up all of our hearts, all of our eyes, all of our minds, that we might behold the most wonderful of all things that we could ever behold. And that is your most wonderful word. And Father, would you please take this time and move me aside. Father, let us, let us understand that we're hearing what you would want to hear. You would want to say. Move me aside, Father, that we might note that these are your words and your thoughts. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Before Peter launches into his sermon, as we noted from verse 15, he wanted to distill all the criticism about the disciples and the apostles. As we already read in verse 15, he says, these men are not drunk. You'll note in verse 15. He says, not like you suppose, because it's only the third hour. Uh, The third hour of the day, the day began at 6 a.m. in that time. And so what it was was 9 in the morning. But more importantly, Peter was was saying what you are experiencing is the phenomenon of Pentecost. The speaking in tongues that you are hearing was the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon us. And what we are telling you is what it says in verse 11. It says that, look at verse 11 of chapter 2. It says they were, all the people were saying, we hear them in our own tongues. We hear them speaking of the mighty deeds of God. That's what prophecy is now. Prophecy now is not foretelling the future. Prophecy now is proclaiming the mighty deeds of God. And what he says by using Joel, he says that Joel says, in these last days, these are the days that Peter is saying we are now in. We now know that to be called the church age. We are in the church age until the Lord comes back. So in these last days, he says, you shall hear of these miracles and the prophecy of God's mighty deeds. Now, from the the people that were there, if you'll note, take a look across the page at verse 5 of chapter 2. They were there devout men. In other words, these were people that were celebrating this feast of Pentecost. It was one of the three feasts that was a major feast in the life of a Jewish believer. And so they were devout men. And so instead of them thinking, this is miraculous. I'm hearing hearing these guys speak in my own tongue, in my own dialect about the mighty deeds of God. Instead of thinking, this is a miracle of God. No, what did they say? These guys are drunk. You know what that's like, folks? That is so much like... Us today. Things happen in your life. Things happen all the time in all of our lives. And I hear sometimes people say, Boy, am I lucky that happened. Oh, really? Or I hear people say, Boy, that was a great coincidence. Really? Here's what I've done 
kind of as a way of life. And I want to pass it along to you. There's nothing that goes on in my life that I don't give credit for, to God for. Just yesterday, after the service, Saturday night, I went in to Savon to pick up some medicine for, for myself. And as I drove in to the Savon parking place, there was a parking place right in front of it, right in the front, I just, I just right there. And I pulled in, because I told the people what I was telling you now, instead of saying, what a wonderful coincidence, I said, Lord, thanks. Thanks, I don't have to walk from all the way over there. I got a parking place. And I thank the Lord. Now, I do that for a lot of things. Now, I can imagine now, if that's foolish, as some of you might think, the Lord would say, that was a simple coincidence. What are you thanking me for? I mean, this guy pulled out, you pulled in. What's so big a deal about that? But I chose to thank him. I would rather do that than someday stand before the Lord and he say to me, you know, John, I thank you for thanking me. I had nothing to do with it. But I thank you that you, you thought of me in this incident. I would rather he said that than saying, you know what I did, John? I had that guy leave early. When he got home, his wife said, where's the bread? Oh, I forgot. I had him leave early so you could park there and you didn't even thank me. You said how lucky you are. See, I would rather you and I live that type of lifestyle. I would rather we live the lifestyle that everything that happens in our life, we are quick to think of God and thank God. And some of you might be saying, well, what about something that bad happens? The best best example I have is I had the privilege when I was younger in ministry working with athletes. Some of the athletes that some of you, I mean, they're famous. I had the privilege of hanging around with, rubbing elbows with some pretty famous people. Early in his career, do you remember the name Oral Hershiser? No, I know I'm boring. Somebody <laughs> said, here he goes again. You remember the name Oral Hershiser? Oral Hershiser was a very famous pitcher with the Los Angeles Dodgers. At the start of his career, he was not pitching very well. And they were using him in, in the bullpen, which was not normal for him. And he was being brought into games, what they would call in, in the big leagues, he was called in to mop up a game. In other words, the game was out of hand. They were going to lose, so no, don't hurt the arm of a good pitcher. Bring in someone that we don't care about. And he had that feeling that that was happening to him. And he, he sensed that the, the team didn't care for him. And he, he called me up one night. He was a rookie. We got to be great friends. And he says, I'm, I'm thinking of quitting. He says, my dad has a great business. I can go back and I can work there. And he says, it's obvious to me that the Dodgers don't like me. And I said, Oral, I said, you're making a huge mistake. Talk to me. Talk to me. I said, Oral, I said, the one thing I knew, one thing I know about pitching was I couldn't hit it. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing I knew about me in the big leagues. But I also could recognize when somebody had great stuff. And Oral had great stuff. Oral was like, again, forgive me if I'm boring you, but Oral was a right-hander who threw like a left-hander. By that I mean he could not throw a ball straight. His ball would sink, his ball would slide, his ball would dive. He couldn't throw a ball straight. That's good. If you can throw a ball hard and it does that, you've got something. And that's, why the way, for most of you who don't know why left-handers are so valuable, left-handers, they, they can't throw a ball straight hardly, and so they're very valuable. Anyways, I should have John Verhoeven tell you this story, not me. Anyways, I knew that Oral was going to be good. 
It, it didn't take a genius to know that. And so I talked him out of it. He thanked me for that because later on he became the most valuable player in the league. He became the Cy Young Award winner. He became the most valuable player in the World Series. Every time he did, every time anything like that happened and they would interview him, he would thank God for, his, for that blessing. He would be quick to always give God the credit. Well, why not? I mean, most valuable player, I'd thank God too, you know. Or most, you know, all of those things. Yeah, why not thank God? Pay raise, thank God, you know. You know. But all of a sudden he calls me one day. And he's going to have to have a major arm surgery. That might mean the end of his career. And he says they're going to have a press conference, so I don't have to tell all the reporters all the time, do it one time. And he says, I'd like for you to come with me. He says, I'm really nervous about this. And I gave him two things of advice. I said, first and, foremost, first and foremost, I said to him, I'd be honored. I'll be there. I said, but take your wife with you. He said, why? I said, take your wife with you. Later, she thanked me for saying that. She was so happy that he asked her to be a part of that moment. I asked him to take his wife because, like most of us here in this room, guys, she was the glue in that family. I mean, she was the strength in that family. And I felt like if this was such an emotional time for him that he needed, that he needed the strength of his wife sitting there with him. And the second thing I told him, he said, what do I say? And I said, I'll tell you exactly what to say. You thank God for this moment. You thank God that you're going through this difficult time because the same God who is with you when you are doing well is the same God who is with you when you're going through a difficult time. And you know, he did that, and that was written across the whole United States of America. Every paper picked up that story that Oral Hershiser thanked God that he was going through a difficult time because I knew the reporters well enough to know they're going to wait to see. Well, now let's see if you thank your God for what you're going through. You could thank him when you were a Cy Young Award winner. You could thank him when you were a most valuable player. But are you going to thank him now when your career might be over with? And folks, I'm telling you, that was like such a medicine in his life. And I'm saying to you as I say to myself, you and I ought to thank God for everything that comes our way. And we ought not to think it's a miracle. I mean, excuse me, it's a coincidence or it's a lucky event that happened in my life. No, you thank God for everything. That will draw you so close to your Lord in good times as well as in difficult times. So with that in mind, Peter now begins this assault against them, them, them charging of them being drunk. And he reminds them what Joel said. Now, watch. Watch Peter in this whole scenario. Peter is obviously a different person than he was before. He is now spirit-filled he is filled with the power that Jesus Christ promised. Look at chapter 1, verse 8. Remember what Jesus said to them in chapter 1, verse 8? He says, you go and wait for me. He says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And what we are seeing here is Peter is not the man who cringed away from this young girl in the courtyard at the trial of Jesus Christ and who denied the Lord how many times? Three times. He is not that man anymore. He is now a man filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what Peter does in verses 17 and 18 is remind them of Joel's prophecy that in these last days, this is the time that we are in now. That is what Peter is going to teach them. Now we know clearly these are the last days. This is the church age. 
And he is reminding them, in these last days, the Spirit of God is going to fall upon us. And we will prophesy. We will speak of, as it says in verse 11, the mighty deeds of God. You see, the term in the last days or the last time was common. It wasn't just Joel that talked of the last days. In, in, in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, I'm finally getting to the first verse. What is with me? In Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, Isaiah says, It'll come about in that time, in the last days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream, will stream to it. What Isaiah was saying is in those last days, it is a time when the Messiah would come and set up his kingdom. But that the Messiah would come, they didn't know that there was going to be two comings separated by a period of time that was not clearly understood in the Old Testament. And you don't need to blame the people in the Old Testament. Just like we don't know the second coming, we don't know when that time is. There were things that they didn't know. Obviously, God wanted to veil some of his truths, as he has to us today. We don't know all things yet. Isaiah infers that there will be two comings. He says, look at Isaiah chapter 53 for just a moment. It's just a great place in Scripture. It talks about the suffering of the Messiah who would die for the sins of the world. But but again, don't blame them for not picking up on it. Who amongst us would think that God would come to this earth and then God would suffer? Who Who of us would think that? Who of us would think that God would have to give his life and die? We just wouldn't think that way. And so in Isaiah chapter 53, in Isaiah, if you get to the middle of the, 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 of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, to the right will be Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then you'll find Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 with me, please. Great, great place in Scripture. It says in verse 1, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, no appearance that we should be attracted to him. It says he was despised and forsaken of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was like one from whom men hid their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Talking about the Messiah, his first coming. Verse 4, surely our griefs he himself bore. Our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings, you and I have been healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to their own way. But the Lord has called the, caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. The suffering Messiah came. Now look at Isaiah chapter 9. It also teaches in the book of Isaiah that the Messiah would come and set up a kingdom that would be eternal. And what they didn't understand and what you and I know is they didn't understand there was a separation of time in between that. That he would come first time and, and this, this, the kingdom that he would set up would be the second coming. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it says a child. This is a very famous verse that is quoted often in Christmas time. 
A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. Governments will rest on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Mighty God. His name shall be called Eternal Father. His name should be called Prince of Peace. Then it's in the last days that this one would come. But the last day that he comes to do that, folks, will be on his second coming. Now turn back with me. Please look at First Peter chapter 1. I'm moving now. First Peter chapter 1. What were the last days given for? You see, the last days were special for you and me because the last days opened up a, the, the, the time that you and I could go before God that there would be no uh, separation for any of us. Men, women, Jew, Gentile, we all can come to God the same. Watch, watch what, it, what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. The last days, he says, were given for us. Look at verse 20. It says, For He was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but He has appeared in these last times, in this last day, for the sake of who? You, me, for our sake. You see, we are right now in what is called the last days, the last time. And we will continue in these days until the Lord comes back again. And as I've already mentioned to you, that time is unknown by us. Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, that day and hour, no one knows. The angels don't know. I don't know. Only God the Father knows, Jesus said. And at this time, when I come back, I will then set up my eternal kingdom. You see, the kingdom, for instance, there are many promises of the kingdom. In the kingdom that is to come, there will be perfect peace. Uh, you don't need to turn there. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, there will be no end, it says, to the increase of His government nor of His peace. There will be no end to His peace then. But on the other hand, for you and me, look at John chapter 14, verse 27. That I'd like to ask you to turn to. In these, the last days, in this, the church age, we are to have this peace. We are to have the peace of Christ. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace, He says, I give to you. Not like the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be fearful. You see, the peace of God is a, ought to be around, upon all of us. When you talk about peace... Here on this earth, most people say, you know, you want to, by the way, don't ever ask me to pray for peace in this world. It ain't going to happen because the Bible says it's not going to happen. The peace that you and I are to pray for is the peace within people's individual hearts, that they would come to know our Savior. You want to know why the world is in such a mess today, in my opinion? Because we have gutless pastors across these United States of America that have gotten away from teaching the Word of God in this world in which we live has gone amok. We don't have the heart of Peter that will go in and preach the Word of God and, and have, as it says here, and, and, and as we're going to see next week, 3,000 people come to Christ at that first presentation that he gave. 3,000 of them were pierced through their very hearts. Today we've gone amok as a society, as a group of Christians, because the men, people that preach from the Word of God are, 
are not preaching the Word of God. They're too concerned about drawing people to their church and too concerned about being popular instead of, instead of telling the people in the world in which we live the truth. This is the only thing that will change people's hearts. Not our wonderful imagination, not our, our, our wonderful uh, uh, being eloquent or any of those things. The only thing that changes a person's heart is what's written within here. My word, the Lord says, will go forth. My word, the Lord says, will not return to me void. My word, the Lord says, will accomplish what I, God, have caused it to do. And so we are, you and I are to preach the word of God. We're to tell people about the wonders of Christ. And that's the peace that comes upon a person's heart. But that peace is a peace that God gives us, not like the world gives, but only like He gives. And so what he says to you and me when we're going through these difficult times like Oral went through when he was wondering, will I ever pitch again? He said, Oral, you have peace, but not peace like the world gives. So therefore, don't let your heart be troubled. Therefore, don't let your heart be fearful. Folks, I say to you with all the sincerity that Scripture can allow me to say is that God has not forgotten you. If you're going through deep waters right now, don't be troubled. Don't be fearful. He knows it. He loves you. Also, God says that in these last days, in His kingdom, I should say, not in the last days, that He will reign within our hearts forever. That's what Luke one thirty three says. I will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and His kingdom will have no end. But in these last days, we are told in the book of Revelation that we too will reign. It says, and they sang a new song, Revelation chapter 5, uh, verses 9 to 10. Please forgive me, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying not to keep you. It says, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take a book and to break it. Talking about the Messiah. You were slain and you purchased for God with your blood people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And you have made them, talking about those of us who have come to Christ, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they, the Christians of this world, should reign upon the earth. And that's the reason why we are not reigning upon this earth. Although the Bible says that we will not, there will always be wars and rumors and wars. I'm telling you, the problem in our earth today is because we have people who are not, are not preaching the Word of God. And we've become a society that has watered down the very essence of what is truth, the very essence of what will change people's hearts. And so these events, if you turn back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, they're associated with the prophesying, prophesying of the great and glorious day of the Lord. As Joel calls it, this time is the last days, as he mentions. But note, history does not claim, if you look at verses 19 and 20 of this prophecy that, that, uh, that Peter is given, it says, And I will grant wonders in the sky above, Signs of the earth beneath, blood, fire, vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord. History does not tell us at the day of Pentecost that the moon turned to blood. History does not tell us at the day of Pentecost that the sun was turned to darkness. It appears what Peter is quoting out of Joel is to show those that are there, observing what is taking place, that this is not a strange happenstance. This has been predicted and an event like this is going to take place. Now, that it didn't take place then 
only verifies the fact that he is talking about the last days. And that is a long period of time. It's been, what, 2,000 years since then. And we have not yet seen the, 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 the sun come dark and the moon turn to blood, but it's going to happen. And if we live long enough or if the Lord should come back soon enough, we will see that take place. It will be glorious for those of us who believe, but for those who do not believe, it will be a time of terror and tragedy. And so, upon hearing these words, I'm going to skip over Matthew 24. It's just just Jesus predicting that when He comes back, the sign of the, man, the Son of Man will appear in the sky and He says they, they will all mourn. They will all be fearful at that time. And so Peter quoting Joel of what was going to take place, I'm sure he hopefully thought they would naturally want to know how to avoid being caught in such a time as this. And so then Peter says in verse 21, what was the kind of the crowning moment in this part of his message? And so it shall be in that day, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He is saying that this is the time that all of us can come to Christ. You don't have to be just a Jew. You can be a Jew or a Gentile. All that want to come to Him can come to Him. And it leads us to where we will go next week. It will leave us at the place where we can, we can think about the, the friends and the neighbors that you're going to invite to come to church next week. Asking them to be a part. And I promise you, from the depth of my soul, I will try not to offend them. I will try to preach the gospel as clearly as possible and give them an opportunity to come to Christ. And so as Peter says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, later on in the message he says that they were pierced to their hearts by what they heard. And they asked them, what shall we do? And it is my deepest prayer that there is someone that's coming next week. Maybe one person, maybe a bunch of people. That God has has brought us to this place in Scripture so that they might hear from what Peter said at the day of Pentecost and and they might come to believe in the same Savior that we do. And so it is my, my promise to you that I will do that next week. As I've already mentioned to you, it's not going to be that I'm not preaching with us and not trying to preach to us, but my agenda is going to be them, the person that normally doesn't come to church. Because I believe that God's got their hearts prepared for His message, His Word. And we can see people come to Christ on Easter what a wonderful privilege that would be. And so I would cherish your prayers. I would also ask you to not forget to call up Friday to see where will we be so we won't play hide and seek with one another. So you'll know where we're going to meet. Get your passes so that you can sit with your family and we'll uh, have a great time. Wes, is there any, um, is there any uh, a limit to people that can come at 6.30 for the... For the uh, the sunrise service. Any and all of you can come. The only problem is if it's raining, we'll, we'll have to plan B and we'll come in here. Um, so if it's a nice day and you want to come on, on, on sunrise uh, service, come at 6.30 in the morning. We'll see you there. I love you all with all my heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the wonders of P- Peter as he preaches, Father. The first message that was given by a lay person, someone, obviously, he was an apostle, Father, just not uh, just a common lay person, but, Father, someone who gave a message. And 
He saw fit to quote out of Scripture. He saw fit to turn people to the Word of God, your Word, because he knew that your Word would not come back void. Your Word accomplished what you wanted it to accomplish. There were 3,000 souls there that you ended up saving that particular day because of Peter's faithfulness and his boldness and the power of what you gave him to say through the Spirit that lived within him. Father, I pray the same thing upon all of us, that we will be a people that will have the power of you flowing through us, that we will be a people that no matter what happens in our life, we won't say it's circumstances. We won't say it's just a coincidence. We won't say it's just a lucky thing. But we'll get into the habit, Father, as thanking you for every single thing that comes our way. That we might be a people that walk with you and talk with you and react to you through everything that happens in our lives. May we praise you, Father. You deserve it. And may we love one another. We deserve that. And so, Father, we, uh, we pray that we will be a church that really has love for one another so that all people in this community and wherever we will go will know that we're disciples of yours because we have love one for another. Father, I love these people so much. I thank you for each one. Bless us as we go. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I do love you. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you on Easter Sunday.